This is Mark Mullinax, and welcome back to Power for the Peaceful, a podcast and class on Taoism. Bonus episode one, Thingification, or Why Tao Remains Important. When you listen to the ground and you put your roots down, you can hear what she says if you're listening. When you listen to the ground and you put your roots down, you can hear what she says if you're listening. The sweet sound of the river as she moves over the stones. The same song that the blood in your body sings as it weaves around your bones. When you're listening, when you're listening, are you listening? If I were to hold just one wish for humanity, it is to remember our innate capacity to experience each other without condition. Nick Askew. Welcome back. This is a bonus episode. Every 10 verses or so, I plan to take a break from the weekly verse by verse treatment to bring emphasis. To Dow's through-line themes and teachings. We'll resume our verse-by-verse treatment next time. I named this bonus episode one, Thingification. We have made our fellow womb companions into things. We have mucked up Dow's creative process by regarding all that is not me as an other, as an it or thing, a machine without a soul, In other words, we have forgotten Tao, Tao's processes, and how to trust them. Can we relearn to trust in our troubled times this ancient wisdom of Taoism that has no expiration date? After 2,500 years, Tao still speaks. Tao Te Ching is the most translated spiritual text in world history after the New Testament. That in itself should speak volumes about Taoism's spiritual reservoir for today. Tao Te Ching text remains a lively voice and foundation for authentic living today, when so many other spiritual texts start to lose their luster. Those who live into this text and other Taoist texts, I think, grasp and perhaps live into the uttermost limits of human achievement, that is, when connected With Tao, we are most human, which is what we're meant to be. Maybe all creation is just patiently waiting for us humans to finally become the human beings we're destined to be. The earth sings to those who listen. Mark Norwood The popular reputation of Tao Te Ching is that it is a nearly indecipherable text for mystics to read and consider within the privacy of their home life, that it is not the best of guides for public affairs, cultural critiques, business ventures, even scientific endeavors. I feel this artificial spiritual split too, and in the past 10 episodes I've tried to bridge these gaps. This scripture's real value comes when we perceive Tao still at work in, influencing, and having a wise word for the everyday and the everything. As my student Seamus Robertson wrote to me 
The Tao Te Ching contains living teachings, discussions to be had, not just ancient riddles preserved in a jar. Part 1. Original Interconnection Today I begin with an idea you've heard and of which I am convinced. We live in a web of interlocking energies with ancient origins, and we're here to share in, participate with, but not own or manipulate them. There's a flow to everything, and since we come from this flow, our nature is to stay with this flow. It is out of our nature to disassociate with this flow. Tao Te Ching is Chinese for the classic text concerning the way of virtue, and it is an early metaphysical attempt at a theory of everything, how all creation began and how all things were, are, and ever shall be both one and interconnected. When we try to pick out anything by itself, we find it hitched to everything else in the universe, the great naturalist John Muir wrote. So our breath is the same breath as in plants. Our energy is the same energy that forms rocks. Our water within us is the same ancient molecules that rains monsoons, baptizes kids, flows over your favorite waterfall, created the Grand Canyon, or that you drank earlier today. Because of our ancient connections with the energies of the universe, we do well to remember how we are not ourselves until we realize we are connected and interlocked with the rest of creation. At our integral levels, the entire universe is all connected and intertwined. Tao is both greater and other than its parts. When you're listening, when you're listening, are you listening? When you're listening, when you're listening, are you listening? Part 2. Separateness is an illusion. Our minds, however, have become imprinted by non-flow habits and non-Tao activities of culture to see the world in terms of us and them. When I am in public and I gaze upon a tree, a deer, a flower, or even as I regard without deep awareness another person's face, my mind can almost instantly shout to me, whether or not these others are of my tribe, part of my socially accepted safety bubble, or one of those, those, those others, that is. Do I greet them or ignore them? Open up or close down my emotions? Are they worthy of my compassion or can I safely pass them by? This unconscious bias taught me by my culture happens before my first conscious thought. And I and you and we make the excuse, well, we just can't help it. And I realize that some of you feel that evolution has taught us this. You may feel that our very survival has hinged upon our ability to mistrust the new and the other for the harm they might do us. Maybe so, maybe not. But I ask, did we emerge out of the womb like this mistrustful, or were we taught? 
Taoism holds that originally and still today, we emerge from a flow of creation from Tao's womb. No particle better than, higher than, worse than, lower than, or even other than any other particle. Each particle serves as a messenger and ambassador to each other to surround and accompany each other in our common destiny. Every particle's mission is to flow like water, undammed, unblocked, to bring cleansing and life to every other particle. For we all need a little help, an occasional grace, and every day we depend on other particles for our food, shelter, health. And here's a thought. One day, our bodies will become the culinary delight of other particles as we change our shapes and energies in the flow to merge with other particles. There is no I. There is no we, no ours, no I, my, me, mine. Pull the camera back and it's always us. Merged into everyone, everything, every particle. It is as arrogant as it is foolish to regard ourselves as standalones, as the pinnacle of some pyramid of the created order. It is ego, personal, family, historic, tribe, national. It is ego that rises to make of itself some almighty exception to our original oneness. Forms of this ego will inform us how I or we or us deserve this standalone exception and privilege, like, like we deserve our exceptionality. But this separateness leads to illusion, to violences spawned by alleged purities of race, blood, or desires, and that my cause, my purpose is noble, righteous, and of God. So we willy-nilly pollute, discriminate, contaminate, live apart, and because we feel we can live alone and not alongside, we get lonely, isolated, secluded, remote. When we go too far with ego, as verse 9 warns, we discover we have damaged or killed off those who could help us. It's like we discover some Amazon botanical medical cure, only to realize that we've already burned away the places where that cure thrives. Part 3. Thinkification. Do we today see all nature as alive, speaking and listening, vibrant, and every particle of it with a common and intertwining existence and destiny? In the cultural West, we are heirs to European-based philosophies, cultures, and religions that enable, if not encourage, the human ego to regard the human being as the top of a pyramid of creation. And as one descends down the pyramid, the less alive or important things are said to be. So, of course, all animals are below us. And here's a test. Do we even consider ourselves on the level of animal? A few animals we make as pets, but the rest we separate in inhumane ways to be our meat, entertainment, and always less than human. Below them, plants, dead. Rocks, dead. Our mountains, no longer sacred, but places on which to build trophy houses from devalued forest products. To undergird this separation from nature, we practice forgetfulness every day. 
Sadly, we have had a powerful myth, one supported by a religious and many philosophical texts, a powerful myth of human separation that helps keep this world of things distanced and forgotten. It accompanies us still. In the Hebrew scriptures, just after God has declared that humans are made in God's image, we are then given tasks while on earth. In English, the phrasing of Genesis 1.28 goes like this in the resonance and authority of the King James Version. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. The words have dominion are the Hebrew verb rada. Traditional translations of rada convey the quite incorrect idea that God has established a creation community of unequals, humans, and only some humans, not all, on one hand, and the rest of creation on the other. However, this verb rada also means to go downstairs and not stay upstairs. That is, walk among our neighboring creation as an equal, to caretake for creation as we imagine how God descends to caretake for us. But translators of Genesis to this day choose words which shore up hierarchical understandings of rada as have dominion, which gets translated in various Bibles as subdue, reign over, rule over, be in charge of, dominate, be masters of, to lord against, control, and subjugate. So this badly interpreted scripture written and translated ever by the most privileged of human beings has falsely elevated people as lords over a subordinate creation of non-equals that we are told by divine command to rule over. But don't worry, we're told, it's a dead creation. Behold how a victimless worldview can be devised by and for a privileged few. If you want to study the social and political history of modern nations, study hell. Thomas Merton When you're listening when you're listening, are you listening? When you're listening, when you're listening, are you listening? Let me be clear. In the Taoist worldview, all views of the world shot through with inequality and domination, even with the faintest whiff of hierarchy are desire-driven mockeries and counterfeit imitations of what Tao teaches. Tao's womb and processes remain our true source and destiny, which is original peace and original goodness of all creation. But we forget and start dealing out these myths, how the original blueprint of the universe calls for separation hierarchies. When that happens, prepare for trouble, strife, violence, chaos. Remember in verse 6 we talked about how if you begin to button your shirt wrong and continue doing it wrong, nothing, I mean nothing, goes right. Our worldviews of hierarchy and dominion keep us out of step from the peace of wild and spontaneous creation, 
These views create only misery for everything that is not human, whether animal, vegetable, or mineral. This is the spiritual origin of separation and thingification. But it gets worse. Other worldviews and philosophies contribute to our views of a divided and separated creation. Early Mesopotamians, their worldviews portrayed the human task was to claim our divine right to tame the, quote, monstrous chaos, unquote, of nature. Ancient Greeks believed similarly. Plato and Aristotle taught the resources of nature are solely for the use and advancement of humankind. The European Enlightenment, based upon Greek philosophical ideas, used the phrase ascent of man over the very capital in nature that produced humans in the first place. For millennia, human voices have offered the creation to our imaginations as a non-living resource production line that humans are to control, subdue, and put to our service. We forget that nature itself is one vast miracle, the great naturalist Lauren Isley wrote. We forget that each one of us in his personal life repeats that miracle. We've lost our appreciation for the intricate nature of matter and materiality. As we think, so we act. In our minds, we have turned much of nature's processes into a thing, a machine. We thingify it. Things are its. It's, not being alive, mean we don't feel mutual relationships with their non-human nature. The other than human is valuable to us merely for their utilitarian worth. Based on a cost-benefit transaction algorithm written, edited, and produced, even justified by human beings with human wants and desires, Forgetful of our true origins, we start buttoning up our worldviews of separation that has humans dominant over an estranged creation. We practice separation as spiritual and economic commands from the gods. We have told ourselves that non-human creation has no voice, no intrinsic value. So instead of practicing an intrinsic mutuality with nature, we struggle for mastery over nature. Creation and nature have become things, its, not alive with voice, fluency, or natural graces. Note the differences between these next two sentences. One, I have a body. Two, I am a body. Notice how we even distance our very bodies from our identities just through our language choices. How much have we forgotten who we are and what we are truly made for? So much have we forgotten, and so far have we fallen, that sadly, we still wonder whether the last super-hurricane or super-fire in California has anything to do with humanity's non-valuation of things. Popular religion, by casting us out from the garden, alienates us from nature. Even when we get, quote, saved, unquote, the salvation is of one's soul, not the body not the material world that gave birth to us and still sustains the body. Nature is something to be left behind as we soar off to heaven after death. Thomas Berry wrote, A degraded habitat will produce degraded humans. If there is to be any true progress, then the entire life community must progress. Conclusion 
Where there's alienation, exploitation soon follows. If we human beings have cooperated in one thing, it has been to fabricate stories and myths about our inherent superiority, where we inhabit a top-of-the-pyramid artificial viewing stand for the rest of creation. Our thingification of nature treats nature as a less-than, an other, which means we have already begun to regard ourselves, because we have material bodies, as less-than, and our bodies as other. Degrade our views of nature, and human beings degrade at the same time. Be in conflict and war with nature, and human beings are likewise conflicted. An honest question. Is the human being a dangerous or even viable creature on this planet? With the phrase dominion over drilled into our training, our consciousness, our worldviews, we live in a world that we feel can be bought, owned, sold, divided, drilled, developed, and exploited. No one questions anymore our myths of turning creation into a thing, an it. This unquestioned narrative is our story, I'm afraid. Can we restore it and restore sanity to our consciousness? <sighs> Let me acknowledge that the maker of this podcast rests, lives, and makes his living upon exploited land. I was born into oppressive structures of hierarchy and dominion that were already in place before I was born. These structures camouflage my connections with flow and Tao. How do I learn to be fluent in these unheard languages? Or let me ask this a different way. How do I regard and cherish my privileged life in a way that doesn't suck up all the air so that the rest of creation cannot breathe? Today, one could not ask for a better wisdom source than Tao for living wisely in these days of climate change, conflict situations, racism, non-egalitarian cultures. Taoism teaches how everything is connected across time, across species, matter, and space, and therefore justice, peace, and interrelationship with every particle of creation are not just our primordial states, but are baked into the original blueprints of the universe. Peace and justice are not just ends in themselves, but are the very processes of life, installed by a spontaneous nature that does not play favorites. Simply put, the disharmonies and injustices in our world are not original, but are artificial, false projections, projections underwritten by our unexamined myths, leading to unmanaged desires to promote compete, become number one, remain great, and most sadly, to regard ourselves as unconnected with others and this universe that evolved us. What if any injustice is a mockery of original justice? What if war mocks original peace? What if chaos is a sign that original harmony has been forgotten? There is much that is counterfeit, and artificial in our lives. The good news, though, our primordial connection with the makeup of the universe remains our original state. Nothing in nature prevents this original grace. This is the power for peace. 
and therefore renders Tao as relevant, but in vastly different ways, as this morning's New York Times. Here's my thesis. Without Tao awareness or practice, one cannot be human. To be human, we need to remember our source, our connections, and our responsibilities. Why Tao remains important is the question of this episode. Its answer lies in the massive volume of myth we have written, edited, and produced, a volume entitled Forgetfulness. This podcast is dedicated to remembering. Thank you for listening. See you for verse 11 next week. This podcast is an original labor of love designed, written, and co-produced by many whose central idea that Tao Te Ching is good news for today. Tao still speaks. Audrey Davis is her artist. Molly Hartwell sings her song, Put Your Roots Down. Thank you for your attendance in this class on Taoism. May your days begin in peace and become wombs for radical hope.